I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, and welcome to another The New Abnormal member-exclusive episodes. And we thank you so much for being here. We have a very special guest with Madeline Corwin, who is someone I met a long time ago. She's a young girl. She's 24. She's a type 1 diabetic. And for the last couple of years, she has worked on trying to make sure that no one ever dies from not being able to afford their insulin. Tell me how you got started in this world. So I've had uh, type 1 diabetes for nine years, almost 10. And I didn't have like a community of people. I didn't even know one existed really. How old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 14. Okay, so you're 24 now. Yeah, I just turned 24 a few days ago. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't know there was a community at all until last year. The Instagram Explore page, for some reason, like, it was starting to give me people with diabetes, maybe because, like, my Google searches, and it was just, like, recommending me things. And I found a girl that was, like, really pretty, and she had an insulin pump, and I started, like, following her. And then eventually I ended up, like, making my own kind of diabetes Instagram account. Right. So I have, like, two separate accounts. And then, like, it was almost immediately that, like, I fell in with, like, the right people, I guess. <laughs> so, like, I fell in with, like, people that were really focused on insulin legislation and, like, mutual aid and stuff like that because it's, like, it's such a loud issue here. You would think that, like, all diabetics would care about it, but yeah. that's, that's not really the truth. It's It's a large community, but there are people who just, like, completely... I don't know if they ignore it or like they don't know or like they're not affected by it, but that was basically how I got into it. So explain to me what you saw when you started doing this diabetes activism. I started on Instagram, which is nice, but you don't get like as big of reach as Twitter for whatever reason when it comes to this type of stuff. And also there are, I guess there are less people it seems there are less people in need on Instagram because, you know, Twitter, you can just like post, but on Instagram, people aren't going to like post, like I need insulin. Like that would be, kind of, it's just not the format of Instagram. Right. So I, I moved to Twitter last September and that was kind of when I met even more like people that were way deeper into doing this kind of stuff and befriended them and started getting in like direct message conversations with them. And then I got in with like, the hashtag certain people were using, which I'm not sure if I should share, but like to get insulin or like to get help or just to, like, I guess just like, um, boosting people. And then that's kind of when I was seeing the really big need on Twitter was when I was like opened up to that. Cause it's kind of, you kind of have to dig and you have to know where to look. Like, I don't think like people like you would like really see it at all if you didn't follow me, which is a, it is in a way a good thing because it's like, not completely legal to partake in this type of stuff right but it is a bad thing because like then people don't get boosted the amount that they need so that's kind of what i was seeing so madeline can you explain what the legal part of it is there are two parts to mutual aid so if we think about mutual aid in like 
when they, people do like uh, food banks and stuff like that, or just like feeding people for like Thanksgiving, obviously that's legal because they're just distributing food or funds to like families. Right. But when it comes to like prescription drugs, that's obviously not legal. And in the U.S., insulin, um, the analogs are considered prescription drugs, but you can buy a much danger, more dangerous formula over the counter at Walmart, so it doesn't make any sense. Um, but, right, of course. Yeah, and, and in Canada and Mexico, they're not prescription drugs, Humalog, Lantus, Novolog. So that's when it becomes, I guess, it, it's, it's technically illegal, but I've never seen anyone get in trouble for it, especially because we don't, no one's exchanging money. Or have you heard about people dying from not being able to afford their insulin? Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people? Yeah, so they kind of come out of nowhere, I will just post about it or like, I'll just make a tweet just saying like, I'm basically like, I'm venting about it. I'm mad. So I just make a statement and I'll have people message me on Twitter or Instagram and be like, and there are people that aren't even in the diabetes community. Like they just somehow found my tweet and they'll, they'll be like, thanks so much for posting about this. Like, this is how my dad died like three years ago. And like, no, no one ever talks about it and stuff like that. So, like, we don't even have the real numbers because people, like, literally don't know that that's what their, like, parent or brother died from. They kind of just think, like, oh, like, you know, like, Joe wasn't taking care of himself. But in reality, like, Joe literally couldn't afford to take care of himself. And on top of that, we have people who are aware, like, what their children or their sister died of. And they've, like, joined the diabetes. They're shamed, right? Yeah, so they they join the community and they help like a lot with like legislation and like giving testimonies and stuff like that. Was there a sea change? Was there a moment when insulin got more expensive? Yeah. So analog insulin, which is the, I guess, newer formula. It's really not that like fancy, but whatever. (laughs) Like everybody should have access to it. No questions asked. But anyway, it was released in uh, 96, which is the year I was born. And then it slowly started increasing in price. I believe in 96, it was like around 20 US dollars. And if we adjusted that for inflation in 2020, it would only be in like the mid 35, $36 range per vial. It, It just keeps going up. And like, I guess it wasn't too concerning to Americans, like throughout the early 2000s. But once it started hitting like 2011, 2012, where it was like hitting those $200 a vial marks, people were like, okay, well, like something's going on. And it was every manufacturer doing it at the same time. And these like price changes are discussed months in advance. So it's like, I, I guess it is price fixing, but like everybody kind of turns a blind eye to it. Right. I would say since like 2012 or 2011 is when people like started feeling that they had to like be activists for their own disease. Yeah. Jesus. That is so, it's so interesting to me. Have you seen organization towards like lobbying politicians to control the cost? So there was one, it was, there was T1 International and they were doing stuff, but there are barriers because so many people like on both sides of the aisle are taking insulin money. Like that's just the way that it is. But I guess they got C3 status. I don't know exactly how it works. I'm not like well-versed in that field, but they got their C3 status and they sent out an email to like everyone on their list that like they can't lobby anymore. So I'm not quite sure what, what they're doing. Cause that was the whole basis of their organization was like, if you donate to us, we will pay our constituents to like, be volunteers in each state. And I used to lead one of the state chapters 
just in Arizona. It was hard, like, to even contact anybody about, like, a basic $100 a month, which is still a lot copay cap for, like, less than 30% of the state's insulin-dependent population. Like, it would have barely helped anyone. And no one really ever replied to me, which was interesting. Um, but now... I think I told I think I told you guys maybe briefly that like me and my friends were just like really upset about the fact that like they're not lobbying anymore. I mean, there has to be a reason for it. Like I, I'm not blaming them. So we decided like to do our own thing. <laughs> like um, so we started this like mutual aid diabetes thing, and it's it's super early. We like announced it really early because we didn't want to go forward without like the whole community being able to say like we don't like this or we like this or add this because I feel like our community has been like heavily exploited for profit in the right. last like 10 years. So we were like, we don't want to be like that. So please like come join. So we're filing. I, I don't know exactly how the, the legal part of this works. I'm just like running. You're trying. Yeah. I'm like running the social media and I'm getting a whole team together for that. I get to go in on most of the calls when we talk with people to like set this thing up. We have like a lawyer on board, like a CPA, they all have diabetes, which is good. So they're filing for C3 status. And then I think they want to do a C4 too, because one of the people on our team like lives and is a lawyer in DC and like has a ton of connections. And I don't know if I can share exactly what she's doing right now. It's okay. How much does your insulin cost per month? So it, it varies. How does it vary? It's kind of hard to explain. I guess in like simple terms, like you take a different amount every month almost. Like especially during quarantine, I'm definitely like less active and like, you know, people's mental health is not that great right now. Like people probably aren't taking the best care of themselves. So like that's definitely the boat I'm in. Right. This month. So they need more. Yes. So I used to only take like one to two vials a month, which would be around $600. Jesus. But now I do like three, which is like closer to 900. I would that's have like to pay rent. more if I didn't have an insulin pump. Yeah, it is rent. <laughs> and the average, the national average is three a month. So that's around $1,000. Jesus. I mean, it's like an impossible situation. So can you explain to us what's happening with insulin in Canada? Like it's cheaper in Canada and it's not prescription? Yeah. So, well, it depends what province. Right. But like, I don't think Quebec, Quebec like it is cheap there and affordable and they supply it to its citizens. But you cannot walk into a pharmacy and just buy it. But right. in Ontario, like there are a lot of diabetics in Detroit that will just cross the border and go into a, which they can't do during COVID, which is great, but um, <laughs> they cross the border and go into a pharmacy in Ontario and just buy what they need. It's the same exact stuff by the same three manufacturers worldwide and they just go home. That's it. Wow. It, it is like such a huge, crazy unfair. Do you know how many people in America have diabetes? I'm not sure how many have diabetes, but I know there are 7.5 million on insulin, which includes every type of diabetes. But for type one, there's only 1.5 million of us. Right. Wow. It seems like such an important human rights question of like not letting people die. Well, yeah. And it's like complete life control. Like there's a lot of things like you cannot do just because you have to constantly be insured and not just like, okay, insurance. Like you have to be like good, like insured <laughs> in order yeah, to live. Yeah, so good insurance. Yeah. A lot of people stay at jobs. They like are like sexually harassed at. One of my friends did that in the past. 
a lot of people stay places that they can't stand or they live in states that they don't want to be in. Like, it's just a, it's like mass control of like 7 million people taking this drug. So actually getting people insulin who can't afford it, what goes into that? So it depends what the issue is. If it's a copay problem, which copays for insulin can be very high. It, I don't know where people get the idea that like it's really cheap. I've had people say like it's $400 and I can't, like I literally can't pay for it. So if that's the case, we usually point to crowdfunding, which hopefully the like nonprofit in the future will be able to do um, to like take donations and then distribute them to community members. But right now it's literally like Twitter crowdfunding. Like I think Molly's retweeted me before when I had a girl who needed like $800 to get all her insulin and then like some of her pump supplies. That's just kind of how it works. But if it's a, if it's an issue of someone is completely uninsured, so they can't get a prescription. Remember there's a prescription barrier, which is a huge problem. For these. Right, because you have to have pay for a doctor to prescribe it. Yes, and it's very expensive. And lots of primary care doctors won't prescribe insulin. It, it's just weird. Sometimes you have to go to a specialist, which is even more expensive. But if these people don't have insurance, that's kind of where it gets trickier. So we have to, like, literally mail them insulin. Or I like to, like, find people close to them. And hopefully they can, like, orchestrate some kind of, like, drop-off but I don't let anyone exchange money for any of this. It has to all be free. Oh, I mean, it's just such a nightmare. In your ideal world, you would have a cap on the cost of insulin. Yeah, I, I think that it shouldn't be any more than like what would be like adjusted for inflation today. I mean, it, it doesn't make um, much sense to me. It's just astronomically high. Like that's my only... My only gripe with that, I mean, I guess in like a dream world, I want everyone to be able to get insulin for free, but we live in the United States. So I'm like kind of thinking like, will we get like healthcare first or will we get insulin caps first? So that's kind of the question that the community is asking, like, which do we focus on? Who are the drug makers who make sort of the big insulin brands? So there's Eli Lilly which they're U.S.-based, they're in Indianapolis. And then there's Nova Nordisk, and they are Danish. And then, who is it? Sanofi, and they're French. So there are three main companies for insulin. Yeah, I don't know any other ones. I don't think there are any other ones. It seems like something that the right legislator could could figure out something for. There are people that want to help, but I just, like... I think there are barriers to it that no one really knows about, which kind of makes me worried. Yeah, but $800 a month is insane. So you don't die. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, and even if you have insurance, like I just mentioned earlier, the copays are still pretty hefty. <laughs> like, what's the average copay? So, I mean, it's going to depend. I know some states have copay caps, but those. We've done some data digging, one of my friends, Hannah, and she found that they help less than like 27% of people on insulin in each state because it's only employer, like a specific type of employer insurance. So (laughs) I I think people are paying like $150, $200 because these copay caps are like $100 copay caps and people are like cheering for them. Like that's like $100 a month is low for people. (laughs) Right. I was going to say. 
Madeline, could you tell us where people can find you and where people can find more information to help with your cause? Yeah. So my Twitter and Instagram is insulin thought, but with a zero. So I-N-S-U-L-I-N-T-H zero T on Twitter and Instagram. And that's basically where I just, I facilitate everything through my Twitter. Yeah. No, I mean, it seems like what you're doing is the kind of thing that's so incredibly important. Yeah. And I have a whole, um, you know, like squad of people. I, I don't think I could do it alone. I would explode. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. But it's really important. And it's the kind of activism that like saves people's lives and changes everything. So yeah, we make the insulin manufacturers look good because less people are dying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I'm sorry. It's messed up, but it's true. On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. We're just getting started and don't want you to miss an episode. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm Molly Jongfast, and he's The Rick Wilson. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.